Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Phoenix, Arizona, it's time for Phoenix Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Hello and welcome to Phoenix Business Radio with Business Radio X, the fastest growing B2B network in the country. I'm your host, Karen Nowicki, and we are in the studio today with Joe Puzz of PMO Squad and Mark Boundy of Boundy Consulting. Welcome, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Karen. Absolutely. So, Joe, you're new to the Phoenix area. We tried to turn on a haboob for you last night. Did you experience it in your neck of the woods? We didn't get the haboob part, but we got a nice lightning storm. Ah. It, it was uh, something to watch. It, it is, isn't it? Did you have the wind as well? Had a little bit of wind, a little bit of rain, but mostly the lightning. The, coming the, from Atlanta, we're used to storms, but it's very mountainous there, so we don't get to see them roll in. So watching it roll in was really fascinating. I bet. And you're in Gilbert. That's correct. So we had just crazy wind and dust and very little rain. I was hoping for some rain. Where are you? Uh, last night I was in far north Scottsdale. Okay. And we got to watch, actually, we were both on our phones watching the radar. Um, we had a radar app and watching the storm just rolling and coming right over to the top of us. And uh, a lot of lightning and a lot of wind and uh, smelled fantastic this morning. <laughs> yes, right. Once the dust clears and, and the rain washes it out. Yeah. It's beautiful, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. Well, welcome, Joe, to the Phoenix area. You haven't really planted your feet here too long, have you? Two weeks. Two. <laughs> Still finding our way. I'm so excited that you're here. Just uh, a great opportunity to introduce you to the Metro Phoenix area and uh, tell our uh, listeners about you and PMO Squad. Before we do that, let's hear from Mark a little bit. And, and the way this works is we just want to have a great conversation. So anytime either of you have something to add, please jump in there. We just want to give our listeners an opportunity to get to know you, your businesses, and how you're helping businesses in the area. So, Mark, let's start with you, Bounding Consulting. And I know that you're affiliated with a larger uh, sales consulting firm. That's right. I'm licensed as a partner for the world's largest, most successful B2B sales performance firm. Uh, it's called the Miller-Hyman Group. Uh, it is an amalgam of Miller-Hyman, uh, Huthwaite, Achieve Global, uh, names that a lot of people in that industry have heard about, but nobody outside of that industry has any particular reason to have heard about. I have been using their methodologies for about 25 years, and they have made a huge difference in my professional and my actually even also in my personal life. And um, I'm thrilled to be able to share what I've learned. It's kind of one of those, I've been there, I've done that. Now I want to help other people do that. And a lot of different industries you represent. Yeah. T tell me about some of those. I, I know I saw aerospace, banking. Yeah. Um, very interesting that Every one of those jobs kind of gave me a, a, a pivotal skill that got me to the next one, but I couldn't have skipped any of those. Um, I was in wire and cable, electronic components. My biggest customer was Lucent Technologies buying my wire and cable for their telecom gear. So I got into telecom gear um, and it turns, and I was a product manager, which is kind of a general manager inside the company for one of the products. It was the very first voice over IP product, uh, carrier class voice over IP product in the world. And so I got to help shape how that industry was launched. And it was just a huge, huge, a lot of fun. Then, of course, the uh, dot-com bubble burst and uh, there was no getting a job in telecom anymore. And so I went into commercial real estate finance. 
I saw that. And, right? and it turns out that when you're asking your vice presidents and executives at Lucent for $15 million for a new project, for a new product, uh, they ask about the same questions that a banker asks when you want $15 million for a new building. And if you can answer those same questions, do the same kind of financial analysis, and all you have to do after that is be able to read a preliminary title report and a real estate appraisal, and it's pretty much the same thing. But we wouldn't know that as laymen, <laughs> would we? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I found out that so many of the skills that we have are transferable, and that that whole time I was uh, selling. People telling me, Mark, you're in product management, you're a technical guy, and but you're really great in front of customers. And I, it was basically my career up to that point was 15-year cage match of people telling me, you need to sell. And I'm saying, well, I'm fine in front of customers, but I don't want that sales title. And uh, so I got a sales title and did great. And um, it turns out that sales is where everything starts. If you don't have a sale, you don't have a company. If you don't have sales, all you have is an idea. Or a hobby, a very, ex- or a very expensive hobby. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And so let me ask anybody in the audience who has a business problem right now and tell me if that problem doesn't get a lot better if you have more sales. No matter what that problem is, it gets better with more sales. So I can fix a lot of problems even when they aren't sales problems. And. A good portion of it, as you alluded to, is communication, correct? I mean, exactly. And what you teach and share with your clients is it a combination of transactional sales and relationship? That's my languaging, very yeah. naive languaging, I think, between transaction sales and relationship sales. Is there a difference in what you do? There is a, there's kind of a difference. Um, the, where this Miller Hyman group really has, um, is the gold standard is in the business to business area where multiple people are weighing in on a buying decision. So if you're selling a big piece of equipment to a company or you're selling them a brand new software solution, there's going to be an IT person and a purchasing person and all of the users and, and the vice president of whatever operational uh, function that software or solution touches and everybody weighs in and you as the seller are orchestrating a group buying decision. At the complete other end is something very transactional, retail salesperson. Now, I do less there, but a lot of the the recent acquisitions in my company, uh, we have methodologies and we are one of the big buzzwords in, in the retail industry is going to be the customer experience. And so the big box retailer, a big box hardware store that you can think of and know is a client. Mm-hmm. And they are all about making sure that when a customer comes in, that customer experience is always the same. I was actually listening to uh, a, a, a consultant for restaurants, and he said, the chance of a second visit to your restaurant after a great first visit is 40%. The chance of a third visit after a great second visit is about 42%. The chance of a great of a, of a repeat visit after a great third visit is over 70%. I wow. never would have seen it that That's way. Amazing. You are not trying to sell the first visit. You're trying to sell three visits. And after that, you've got them for life. And so in order to have three really great visits in a row with no hiccups, that's got to be your strategy as in, a, in the retail world or in a restaurant. And so 
uh, so much of what it takes to understand what the customer's going through and trying to make sure you have a great experience for them. Um, that's, that's what I do. And, and it's, uh, it's a thrill to be able to do. That's pretty fascinating. And project management, as, as Mark was talking about, he's got the front side of that with the sale. And then when we, you know, when we get the project management side, we're the execution a lot of times after what has been sold. So to hear the sales side of this is, is great for me as well. Very informative. Well, and when you have that group buying decision, when I sell, a, you know, somebody, a vice president of sales and all of his lieutenants and directors of sales, uh, um, we're going to change the way we sell. We're going to be more customer focused and we're going to add all these um, metrics and we're going to, we're just going to change the selling culture. Then it comes time to execute that plan. Right. And so many times that's where an initiative can fall because we didn't get everybody on board. We didn't manage all the details. And so that, that is, um, the project management is a huge important part of what I do with my clients. And that's where we like to step in right, and deliver. Uh, oftentimes we get sold uh, a engagement where a sale opportunity took place the operational staff wasn't aware of what the sale may have been because it was at a higher level than them. And we come in and we rescue a project that's failing. And as consultants, uh, we come in with that expertise to deliver on projects which may not uh, be going as well as you would hope, as opposed to a traditional contract project manager maybe doesn't have the experience to be able to make that save. You know, what's interesting... When I have guests coming on the show, I always like to kind of look to see, are there some commonalities, uh, even though they might be coming from very different industries? And I noticed that you both spoke and the information you shared with me ahead of time about, um, in Mark's case, the the sales manager who maybe was a great salesperson and was, you know, invited to step up into leadership, but may not have all it takes. And then same thing with Joe, with project management, uh, not always are the project managers, the people who have the skill set to lead a, an important project. Can either of you speak to that? Is that what's happening and why consultants like yourselves are so important? Yeah, I think from my side, we, we call them accidental project managers. And in the organization, they may be a subject matter expert and looked upon and looked up to by their peers, but they haven't had any training in how to go deliver a project. So they get assigned to lead a project and they have no idea where even to start. Um, and oftentimes the project will fail. It'll be a hit to them, uh, the reputation and the business. They're no longer looked up to. They lose that leadership credibility and all because they got put into a situation where they couldn't win, right? They just didn't have the training to do that project management so different than all the other skill sets. Whereas a consultant, that's all we do. We specialize in project management. Uh, amen, Joe. I, um, I've seen a statistic that 65% of great sellers, top performing sellers who get promoted to sales manager, wash out. They fail. How, what's a percentage? Six, 65, wow. two thirds of them. And that is because that what it takes to be a great seller is way different than what it takes to be a great manager and great coach. Uh, Joe and I were actually talking about this a little bit earlier while we were, uh, before we went on air. And it's not as simple as 
just going to that sales manager or going to some some great seller who hasn't been promoted yet and say, just follow them around and do what they do. <laughs> because that observer doesn't know which elements that they're watching are just part of that person's personal style, which ones are actually their bad habits, and which ones are the effective behaviors that are making them the top performer. So I think Joe and I probably have a real similar version, but what I do is uh, we have described what those high impact behaviors are. And we want to turn those behaviors into a framework that every seller should, should do. And we want to give them words and a language so they've got a common language and a description. So now that sales manager knows what the effective behaviors are and say, well, the way that Joe did it was this way. And here's how he did it in his personal style. The way that, you know, somebody else does it is in their personal style, but here's what they're doing. Here's the underlying thing. And now, now you can coach it. Now you can teach it. And now track can, it. And track <laughs> coach, it. teach, track, and then obviously feedback, and, right? And replicate it right. across over all of your sellers. Again. So, um, and one of our differentiators are the soft skills, right? So you talk about the sales side and project management has a lot of technical components to it. And okay, project managers get away with being good at technical skills. But the differentiator of the great project managers are the ability to negotiate, the ability to go in there and work in critical situations with conflict resolution. And those soft skills, which aren't taught in a, uh, in a book, right? They're not in a software application. There's something that you have to observe and get trained upon are where you can really make a difference. And that's where I think as consultants, where we can come in and show organizations, you may have project managers on staff that are delivering okay, but 51% of all projects and organizations finish off budget and outside of schedule. What percentage? 50? 51%. Incredible. So I don't know if there's too many organizations out there who want to do a 50-50 chance on is this project going to be <laughs> successful or not. I'm willing to bet not. <laughs> so for our side, right, this is where you go in with a, a more experienced consultant to work on these projects, which you spent a lot of money to purchase something. And then you want to go in and be able to execute, right? That vision that you created at the sale needs to become a reality on the execution of the project. And I think, again, that's where we're really complimentary with Mark, right? The front side and the back side of, of the transaction. A absolutely. Um, I'm actually talking with a client right now who five years ago went to a consultant and they, in great detail, defined their sales process, everything the salesperson has to do, who, what expertise they bring in, where this brochure comes in in the, in the process. And um, so it was a real detailed playbook. But wasn't effective. It wasn't effective because that is a foundational skill, understanding that there's a selling process. But now you have to make sure that you have the soft skills to make sure that a customer is going through a buying process. Mm -hmm. So there's a whole language of making sure that you're having the right kind of conversations and the customer's involved in a buying process and which goes to negotiation and, and empathy and listening. Absolutely. Um, and now, and we're going to take that selling process and say for stage one, here's what happens in the selling side, but a customer has to have done this. If the customer hasn't also done this, then they aren't moving along with you in a buying process. Oh, stage sure. two, they, you will have done these things, but the customer has to have done these or they aren't moving along with you in a buying process. And so if you have your 
CRM really well documented and you have all these opportunities and you've, uh, I mean, um, ask any salesperson how many times you've gone through the demo and the quote and the white papers and everything, and you're waiting for the customer to make a decision. And it's because the customer hasn't decided whether they even have a problem yet. You finished your selling process. They haven't started their buying process. Interesting. And if you're not a trained salesperson, you have no idea you are, are showing up into the process that's been created for you. But whether or not that process is effective or not is, is really where you come in. Exactly. And that is the difference between a seller-centric process and a buyer-centric process. It, with um, the way buyers are and the way customers are, they inform themselves. They're on internet learning a lot about the solution. So the seller's role of providing education really isn't very important and actually can be kind of aggravating. If a salesperson comes in and tells a person something that they already know or asks them a question that they should have already learned from doing some online research before you walked into that appointment, you're an irritating person, not a salesperson. That seller has to be able to understand you, your problems, how you intend to fit this solution into your operating rhythm, into your actual corporate culture. And the person, the salesperson who listens best, even if there's two of them are selling the exact same thing, the salesperson who listens best and helps that customer forge the connections between what the customer has in terms of gaps, needs in their head, and what you provide that's the seller that is going to be more successful. You know, we talk similarities right at the beginning of a project. We always develop a project charter. And one of the first things we define is what is the problem statement? And if you haven't identified what that problem is, it becomes a very difficult project to execute to satisfaction because at the end, you don't know what you're solving. How do we know if we implemented something that's going to fix the actual problem? So again, a a contract project manager or a staff project manager who may not be experienced is going to go execute the project. The differentiator with the consultant is we're going to go in there and, and identify, just as Mark talked about, and we're going to listen, we're going to identify what the problem is, we're going to lay out a methodology of how we're going to get there, but we're going to make sure that they're invested in the project and we're not just executing the project. Yep. And if you don't have that, you made a, a sale on something that you can't deliver on. Yep. Joe, I, I've got a question for you. This is something that I live. And after you've developed that problem statement, do you develop some metrics for making sure you are tracking against solving that problem? Some metrics that they may not have even tracked before. Absolutely. One of the most important items right now in the project management space is benefits realization. Right. So if you have a problem that has metrics out there, usually they do. But if not, we want them to capture the metrics. And at the conclusion of the project, people will say we were on budget, we did it with quality, and we were within schedule. But if you don't realize the benefit of why you started the project, why do the project? <laughs> right. So without the metrics, you can't measure. I was hoping that was your exact answer. Um, and that's key. Well, we're maniacal about creating metrics. Uh, I don't want to be the sales guy who just sold some sales training. And have you wonder whether it worked or not? This is what's going to change. This is how we're going to measure it. Um, and that does two things. One, it helps them understand what, they, what progress they're making and how fast. Um, but it also helps you do something I call merchandising your success. They understood 
what success was going to look like. We measured success. We achieved success. And now you can go back to them and say, our agreed on measures of success Uh were this. And we met it where the amateur or accidental project manager doesn't do that. And even if they performed roughly the same job, the one who can can show exactly what the progress was, probably. Yeah. Um, and I think that's why 50% of the projects fail because they're going through a checklist. Did we do this? Did we do this? Did we do this? Yes, let's do a stage gate. Let's get executive approval to continue. But throughout that process, they're not saying, are we keeping the eye on the prize here? And are we at the milestone to achieve what we set out to achieve? It's it, it, What I hear you both saying is when we are in the weeds or we're in, in amongst the trees as an organization, we may not come up high enough, helicopter view or airplane view, to actually assess and measure how effective we're being. It may feel all great and we may be getting some good feedback, but if we're not effective and watching the matrix and watching the, the numbers and everything, we, we don't know whether or not this is where we should be spending our time, both in sales and in project management, right? So you you guys in your respective businesses can come in and show a company how to handle that, manage it, train people up with that mind, and then again, offer that feedback along the way. Sure. Now, one other thing, and I guess I'd like to just hear, Joe, from from you about um, any parallels you have. We're not only maniacal about measuring metrics and success, but we differentiate between leading indicators and lagging indicators. In sales, the tradition is to measure lagging indicators. Did you win or lose the opportunity? What percentage of your opportunities did you win? That's something you can only measure after it's too late to do anything with it. Once we've, uh, you know, going back to what we said earlier, I know what behaviors end up being productive, successful seller behaviors. So let's measure those. Those are predictive behaviors. The more frequently you practice those behaviors, the more likely you are to win. So I can coach just to those behaviors and increase my odds that those trailing behaviors, those trailing metrics are going to do what I want them to. Do you have something similar to that? Yeah, I think the parallel I would draw would be in project management, organizations focus on the metrics of the project, right? Is the project on track? Is the project within budget? But organizations that focus on project management as an organization, we'll call them the PMO or an enterprise PMO, they focus more on the metrics of the organizational benefit of that initiative. So we try to focus organizations when we go and work with them to say, sure, it's important to make sure your project's on track. But in the grand scheme of things, how does this fit with the KPI that you're trying to hit for an organization overall and get a holistic measure versus just a project measure? For us, that's, again, a key differentiator. Organizations today really are just focused on, give me a dashboard of projects that are red, yellow, and green, and not what has been the benefit to the organization over time of all the projects we've done. We've invested X millions of dollars to do these projects. They have zero idea how much benefit they've Mm -hmm. actually received from those projects. And that's where we, one of the things we try to work with them on. In my specialty uh, in the sales, we often work with companies who have um, adopted a a customer relationship management or CRM system. Uh, Salesforce.com is the biggest out there. And again, it has failure rates similar 
to what you quoted. Um, so that actually made me feel good that, you know, CRM isn't any worse than any other kind <laughs> of project. <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> but, on, yeah, right. it's, it, but it's no better. Right. They, are, they fail about 50% of the time. And it is because of utilization. Sales people don't use them. It's a tool for compliance. It's the sales manager saying, I need to get this report done. So go into CRM and enter the kind of data, this kind of data in these spots. And it's not going to do you any good as a salesperson, but it does me good as your manager. So just make sure you do it. Otherwise, I want to prove your expense report or, you know, some, something like that. And um, so we want to measure compliance utilization uh, because if, if we get it installed flawlessly, but nobody uses it, <laughs> we just had a tree growing in the forest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Joe, I'm curious, how did you get into project management consulting? Well, it started, I guess, probably going back about 20 years now. I was working for a software company post-sales and just making sure it was actually in the auto industry. And I would go to a different car dealership every day. And at the dealership, I would make sure that the different functions were using their software. And if they uh, were struggling in the parts department or the sales department with the software or needed a new package, we'd bring in a sales team that would sell them a new package, even though I was the one that was working with them on a daily basis. And after we sold that new package, uh, I would go in there and I would help them get it set up. I had no idea this was project management, right? I was an account representative on-site resource. And what I realized was that's what I am. I'm just a natural born project manager, right? Some people are painters or musicians or athletes or sales folks. For me, I just, I know how to run a project. And that began the career. So uh, then I took on formal project management title role, got into management of project managers, eventually into executive role within project management, uh, and realized every stop along the way, organizations would hire consultants to come in and evaluate the work you're doing. Majority of the time, the performance that my teams were working on was spot on. There would be some sort of recommendation because you're not going to pay a consultant to come in and say, hey, everything's perfect, right? So uh, after a while, I said, you know, I think I can do this, right? And the difference between what we were offering now is that everybody on the PMO squad has run a project management office. Right. So a lot of the consultants will come in, whether, uh, you know, it's an Accenture or a Deloitte, a big firm, they'll sell an engagement with a senior resource and then they'll staff junior resources who don't have experience. Mm-hmm. And they'll come into an organization and evaluate what you're doing. And they've never sat in the seat that you're working on. Right. So for them, I always would struggle of, well, how am I going to take advice from this uh, person, this yeah, consultant that's getting paid rates well beyond? my staff was making. And I said, you know, it's time to make a change. It's time for me to go out there and help clients with real life experience, as opposed to consultants bringing in junior level resources who were trying to get experience. They were learning on the job. I was giving them information that they were taking to their next client. And now I do that as a corporation, as opposed to the the internal resource. It must be satisfying for both of you to go in and be able to see once you start working with your clients where the competencies and the strategies are going to make a difference and 
watch that magic take place. I, I can only imagine how satisfying that might feel. Uh, it's really satisfying. The ultimate goal is you've got salespeople who understand the behaviors and they're being able to self-diagnose what they're doing wrong. That, when you get a salesperson to the point where they're starting to be able to do that, that's great. And using that language you talked about, yep, right? So you're yep. giving them a structure and the language yep. and for them to be able to self-assess and yep. then probably coming to you and saying, oh, Mark, yeah. guess what? I know I nailed this one or and, I bombed, but I know what I did wrong. Exactly. And then those people become great sales leaders, but they know how to observe and coach behavior. So they become a first line sales leader and they become a great middle manager of sales because they're starting to understand the metrics and they know which ones are useless and which ones they really want to take, keep an eye on and top line sales manager. So you're developing an entire ecosystem. I, I get to grow sales careers from beginning middle to end. And that's extremely rewarding for me. Yeah. And I, I love yeah. from our side, right? We'll, we'll get hired in, we'll execute on a project. Uh, and then they're working on next year's strategic plan. And when they identify their initiatives, they'll say, okay, and let's make sure the PMO squad runs that one. Yes. And that's the rewarding because I'm in it for a win-win, right? This isn't just a one-sided business where I'm trying to do a money grab, right? right. I want to see my clients be successful. Whether they're a Fortune 200 company or a small mom and pop shop, right? it's all about their success. So when they say, we want you to come back, that's when I know right, we've made a difference. Uh, and oftentimes at that point, they'll also say, hey, instead of just executing that project for us, can you come in and work with our project managers and either provide training or evaluate our project management office or set up a project management office? Because now we know what it is successful, what it looks like. Now we want you to be able to have that be repeatable for us. And we never mind losing a client, right? Because we've set up a PMO for them. You've given them the opportunity to continue on their own because of everything you've offered them for the time, the period that you've been working with them. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's really the secret sauce, Joe, is once you can, you know what good looks like and can describe good, um, you have the keys to a lot of different kingdoms. You know, yep. Whatever... Whatever kingdom you're in, if you can describe, if you can accurately describe good, um, you can do a lot of great things with that and create a lot of great win-wins. And the beauty of project management, right, is it's not uh, focused on just one part of the organization. So I've had some opportunities where I'm walking in the halls of a client and working with someone. I say, man, Joe, you just know everybody. Everybody that walks <laughs> by says hello to you. And that's because we have to. Right, yep. because you'd, there's never a project that's just in one department. It always cuts across departments. So building those relationships that you can give somebody value, and let those subject matter experts really focus on their day job or what they're good at, and then by doing that, giving them the tools of what these projects were there for, they can do their job even better. And you save them from a potentially embarrassing opportunity where they were going to be asked to be a project manager. And they've in the past failed at that. So they appreciate when you come in and help them out. Absolutely. The term that keeps coming up for me as you two are sharing is mentors. You, you both are mentoring these companies and everyone in it from the people on the front line to the CEO and founders and everybody in between. Was mentorship important to either of you in your lives growing up and or in business? I mean, you know, do you have a mentor? Yeah. I, I think for me, it, it, I've always been involved in sports. Um, so that was the beginning for me, was always coaches that got me going. 
but then as I evolved through my career in the corporate ladder, I was involved in a executive leadership program. And at each of the stops through that program, they assigned a mentor to you. And that was my first time with formal mentorship. And the amount of value that they would provide was, you know, instrumental in, in my really, truly my long-term success. So now it's my turn to lift as I yes. climb, mm-hmm. as I like to refer to it. So uh, I've done mentoring. I coach youth sports locally back in Atlanta and hope to do that again here in Phoenix. And then working with the PMI, Project Management Institute, has chapters throughout the United States. Uh, so I would do mentoring at PMI Atlanta. And again, I'll, I'll look to do that here in PMI Phoenix. And then I uh, always try to find a youth um, charitable charitable organization. So I did the Destiny's Daughters of Promise back in Atlanta. It was underprivileged females or girls, middle school and high school girls who didn't know anything about project management and how it's really part of our lives. So I would go work with them uh, a couple times a week to work with that. So for me, mentoring has been great. There's a great book by Denzel Washington called A Hand to Guide Me, where he takes uh, celebrities, athletes, politicians, have all written letters to Denzel Washington about mentoring and how it helped get them to where they have become in their lives. And then he takes that collection of letters and put it into a book. So it's an easy read from some really famous names of how important mentoring has been to them. That's a great suggestion. Mark, how about you? Where's mentoring fit into your life? It's been extremely important. And in Spotty, in fits and starts, I, I can think of some great leaders that I learned from some great examples. I've also had some really wonderful opportunities to have to witness what I shouldn't ever do. <laughs> right. From, from There's as much the lesson around. in that as there is the positive influence. And um, I've kind of had opportunities as, as I've had a couple of the key mentors. Um, you kind of get to a point with some of those relationships where you start that mentoring relationship where you idolize that person. You want to do everything they do. The maturity point is where you say, here's what works and here's what I don't want to take from that person. And that maturity point um, means you are about ready for your next mentor. And um, I've I've been really lucky to have some of each of those kind of mentors. Um, and actually, currently I am uh, involved back with my university. Uh, I went to the University of Michigan Business School. They have a uh, go blue, go blue. A couple <laughs> couple years ago, the engineering and the business schools formed a joint venture, which is a an entrepreneurship program. And they every year they have between four and six. They have business plan contests, and four and six startup businesses um, are given an award where they have couple thousand dollars of startup money and then all kinds of mentoring and office space resources. And, and, uh, so I'm one of the volunteer mentors there as well as, um, for another uh, incubator here in town and startups are not great clients for a sales consultant, but they are really great, um, mentees for somebody that's, um, sees, sees what could go and what could really be with some of those companies. And uh, it's been a real honor and a privilege to to share with some of those start startups. And um, it's been daunting to look at the energy that some of these people have. <laughs> they are, some of them are incredible. I bet. Yeah. So don't, 
don't give me any sermons about what millennials are like because I'm with you. I can absolutely 100% tell you um, that is not, you have to look selectively to find those negative stories be true because they are, uh, the, the counter stories are out there. I absolutely agree. That's been my experience as well. Mentorship is a reciprocal uh, relationship, you know, to be, and and every time I've asked somebody about uh, the role of other leaders and mentors and guides in their lives, it's interesting how everybody ends up saying, you know, here's what I received, here's what I gained, here's how I've benefited, and here's how I'm giving back every single time. And I love that. And it's, it's so critical because we need to, as you said, Joe, lift as we climb. We need to be able to help other people grow into their greatness as others have helped us do as well. It really has been a fascinating conversation with us today. Um, I, I'm learning a lot from every guest that comes in here and today to be able to hear from each of you about what you're bringing to sales and to project management for these organizations uh, is truly fascinating and, and wonderful. And I hope that you both will come back again another time and spend more time with us at Business Radio X. Yeah. To be willing to do that? We'd love to. Absolutely. Hey, great. Absolutely. All right. So before we say goodbye for the day, let's have each of you share with our listeners how to get a hold of you. Mark, why don't you tell us first? Uh, I'm at Mark, M-A-R-K, at Boundy, B-O-U-N-D-Y, almost like the paper towels, uh, BoundyConsulting.com. Mark at BoundyConsulting.com or uh, 602-549-8114. Great. Joe? And for us, you can visit us at the pmosquad.com. So it's T-H-E-P-M-O-S-Q-U-A-D.com. Also LinkedIn, Facebook, uh, we're available out there as well. Uh, and we can't wait to start making an impact here in the, in the Valley. Uh, welcome again. It's really great to have you. And given that Business Radio X started in Atlanta, when you and I met at Alliances the other day, I was tickled to hear you from, you were from Atlanta. And even though I've only been there a handful of times, I feel like uh, we're, we're now uh, kindred spirits with that in mind. Uh, we have already started putting some information out about your businesses on social media, both LinkedIn and Facebook, and we'll continue to do that on our Business Radio X network as well. So again, we thank you so much for being here today and listening to Mark and Joe talk a little bit about sales and project management. And on behalf of Phoenix Business Radio X, where we help build businesses and connect you with the right people, I'm Karen Nowicki, and we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.